on the way. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. For in our hearts the dreams are still the same. Those were... You're listening to The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. Good evening and welcome to River Radio. It's seven o'clock and time for the station's resident football show. Joining me tonight is our regular panel of Ben Green and Ed Tarleton. I'm Will Taylor, so let's kick off tonight's action. This week, Liverpool dispatch Man United. Sean Dyche leaves Burnley and the Thames Valley football hots up. All that and more to come on this week's Extra Time. Yes, that's right. A very good evening and welcome to River Radio's Extra Time, the resident football show here, as I explained. And it really is great to be back in the studio once again for yet another episode. And I was about to say, be in the company of our regular panel as well. Unfortunately, to all those Ed Tolson fans listening who are waiting for him to, to come up, uh, we've, we've got a late omission, a late substitution. He's passed, uh, he's failed a late, a late fitness test, I should say. So, uh, very unfortunately, Ed won't be joining us tonight. He's kicked back on the sofa with his feet up instead. Surprise, surprise. It is, it is a surprise. Well, it's, it's, it's becoming less of a surprise, Ben. He came in for a few weeks and now he's gone again. So, colour me shocked is all I will say. But, uh, but yeah, you're in great hands as always, as I'm joined, of course, by Ben Green. Um, and very shortly we'll be joined by Tom Pickering as well. Ben, I'll, I'll obviously come to you first, due to there being no other options. Uh, very, very. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a really busy week for football, hasn't it? The bank holiday weekend never really fails to let us down time after time, and it's certainly been a good one, hasn't it? Yeah, no, we gave it a big build up last week. Um, we we felt that Wickham had a huge weekend coming up. We had the Liverpool Man United game, and then you had things like Sean Dyche getting sacked, which just out of nowhere. We yeah. really didn't expect that. So yeah, there's so much to unpack tonight. I've, honestly, I mean that that's something I can't wait to get involved in. I know I know Tom's had a chat with a, with a Burnley fan who I mean bless her here and you can almost hear the tears and her voice having listened to it earlier and I can't blame her it's, it's, it's really one of those situations that that we will get stuck into we're also joined of course by Tom Pickering uh, especially for our for our hot topic section from the YouTube channel Very Biased Opinions Tom how are you my friend are you okay um, it's it, it's been a really tough week uh, I'm in therapy right now to try and deal with it uh, I can't believe you've drafted me in to replace a Charlton at this point I'm a broken man <laughs> outside of severe mental distress it's fine <laughs> I mean I, I did wonder if you were going to show up today after that after last night's picture I was watching that game thinking can we expect Tom Pickering on the show or not I mean we'll, 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 we will get into that but I mean like, like I said to Ben it really has been a great a great week for football obviously excluding last night for you um, this bank holiday <laughs> weekend especially in the football league is it's a sight to behold isn't it 
Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I've watched more championship football, I think, in the last four or five days than I have all season. It's actually really fun, though. Oddly competitive as well, unlike yesterday's fixtures. <laughs> there, there really is no, no replacement for, for EFL football. There's nothing, nothing better. Honestly, nothing I mean, better. like even I think it was a Saturday night watching, watching um, MK Don Sheffield Wednesday. MK on second in the table and Wednesday 3 0 up within 35 right. minutes. Do you know what I mean? It's just. Don't you think it's the EFL playoffs as well are just the oh, greatest invention wait. ever? I cannot it, wait. Honestly. I love it. League Two, Forest Green, Tramir Rovers. Yeah. I couldn't rather watch Derby going to Tramir. We're going to Forest Green oh, next blimey. season as well, won't they? So that's a, that's a fall from grace if I've ever seen one. We'll get into all of that though. There certainly is plenty to get into this week uh, after, after a whole host of games and some big news breaking as well. As I mentioned, we're joined by Tom to help us out with that. What a, like like we said, what a weekend of football it has been. We'll touch on that in due course. We unfortunately, Tom, though, have to start with last night. There really is no other place to start, is there? Liverpool running out 4-0 victors against your team. Salah, Mane, uh, you know, uh, Diaz, it really was. I mean, it was vintage for, from those three. Starting with United, Tom, it doesn't get much worse to be a fan. Was it four or five? Was it, is it nine nil aggregate now over the two games? I mean, it's, it it's, it's really doesn't get much worse for you, does it? No, I think last night was possibly the worst I've felt since the five no <laughs> earlier in the year. The worst you felt in about five months then essentially. I was like I I I, I could sit here and talk about this for hours, but I've, I've, I've gotten off the train. I've been with my parents for an Easter weekend. Me and my dad have watched all the football you can imagine. I'm in a really good mood. I start cooking dinner. I put the match on and then like three minutes and it's one nil. And there's just that classic, like throw the knife on the side, expletives start flying around. The room. No one's even there to hear me. I'm just swearing at a wall. I'm, I'm glad you threw the knife on the side, Tom. <laughs> 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 Absolutely right. I mean, it is. I mean, it like uh, it was just one of those things. That, I think the thing for me watching it certainly as, as somewhat a neutral. I've got no real bearing to either side. Was that it wasn't necessarily. I mean, like I, I remember I was, I was saying to one of my friends as it was happening. This was gen- Liverpool generally had a harder game against Watford, didn't they? That was the thing. Yeah. It was such a one-sided game. They didn't get a second gear, did they? Liverpool. You never felt like they were really in danger of the result from minute one. It's just a terrible, terrible performance from Manchester United. It was. I mean, Tom, I mean, obviously ability-wise, there, there's no getting away from the fact that Liverpool just do have more in their squad. Yeah. I mean, almost every single position has has a shout for one of the best in the world almost, doesn't it? Certainly in, in terms of how they're playing. But was it was it more, from Man United's perspective, about how you lost, not that you lost? I mean, because watching that game, there, there wasn't an ounce of passion or care or anything about the game at all. It was, I mean, Maguire almost looked like he was trying to play Liverpool on side for the first goal didn't he I mean everyone else had ran up and he, he leant back it was the most bizarre thing in the world it wasn't until Hannibal came on in the 85th minute that you saw a bit of passion and I, I imagine that will probably be one of the hardest things to see as a as a Manchester United fan it was it was just a performance devoid of any positives and I think it was like is that first goal like i've seen players queue up for a tap in i've never seen players queue up just to put the assist across the box i mean that's how bad our marking was all over the shop and it was it was dreadful and then bruno has this incredibly petulant swipe out at the end of the game i think that wasn't that was was not what you want to see is it it was no that was it was it was he kicks him in the knee and gets away with it somehow and then you see hannibal just start kicking people and you're like no 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 kid no no calm down 
You don't want to be like them. You don't want to be like any of them. They are a disgrace right now. None of them outside of David De Gea come out that game with anything. And yet again, you're sat watching it just going like, I feel bad for the poor guy in goal. I mean, it says a lot that David De Gea was was the best player for you, despite conceding four goals. <laughs> how how many times have they said have we said that over the last few That's, years? By the way, this this is the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, it's how many times? One of those situations where look, I mean, I, I actually thought he he did fairly. He's not really at fault for any of the goals. No. He, he was hung out to no. dry by a lot of the by the by the defence a lot of the time, which just seems to be getting. Worse every single week, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. you, you, it was it was an attempt at a back three, and I say attempt because I don't think the players knew what they were doing. They, they, what one... is Phil Jones doing? Sorry. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I didn't think he was that where bad. Did that come from? You got from where did that come from? Oh yeah, yeah. You, it's not like you've got sort of a four-time Champions League <laughs> sitting it, around, is there? The problem is with Phil Jones as well. He hasn't. He's barely played, and you, and you throw him in against. Did, uh, did against you see Liverpool? that? I think it was two minutes in. Liverpool got a corner. And Phil Jones was blowing. He was honestly, <laughs> he, he was like, oh, good God, this is, it's not easy. And you're thinking, imagine chucking him in, in a, I mean, the Wolves game, I think he was chucked in for, yeah. wasn't he, last time? Not one that was particularly going to bear much weight if he had a shocker, really. Slight difference. To chuck him in against probably the best team in the world, who were on for a quadruple, have just beaten Manchester City, I mean, in, in what was a slightly false scoreline and pretty pretty much comprehensively beat Manchester City. And you're putting in a player void of any confidence for the last two years. A player who, who's barely been able to, to, to string a pass together. And, and that actually, I mean, I, I personally don't think he's that bad, but it's just... He's not a starting centre half for Manchester United. Or is he, Tom? Is this the problem? Is he a starting centre half for Manchester United at the moment? I mean, I, I don't think so. I apologise for my outburst there, but the minute you said back three, I've actually got the team on the screen in front of me, and I'm still perplexed by the team choices that were out there. And just, you know, Phil Jones is a perfectly good squad player. He's somebody that should come in and do a job when we have to play teams and somebody needs a break. He should not come in in arguably the biggest game. And if Ragnick wasn't an interim manager and his head wasn't quite, if he wasn't already leaving, you'd be sacked for what happened last night. Like, it was, everything was wrong. It's funny actually you mentioned Ragnick there, Tom, because, I mean, did you even want this man anywhere near your club? I know he's meant to be going into the sporting director role, but with, with how it's happened since he's come in, is there, is there any future for him next season? I mean, I don't think so. I think you can see the players don't respect him at all. And I think that's that's one of the biggest problems. But something I noticed on the, the touchline, and you know, you only get the snippets that they cut across to him, but Jurgen Klopp is incensed by every decision that goes against his team. Every single one. And, you know, whether you like that or you don't, it means you have this really charismatic man on the sideline fighting for you. And Ragnick, Solskjaer, are two managers in a mold that have just stood on the sideline no matter what's happening. In contrast to Lou Van Hart, who threw himself to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And that was slightly different. I would would rather there was anger. I was rather they were screaming at the official for something that isn't even there, that they Mm. were trying to have some influence. He, Ragnick looked resigned for minute three. We went one nil down and it looked like Ragnick was basically stood there going, 
I told the boys this would happen. I told them it would happen. <laughs> then why did you send them out? <laughs> You've got to wonder what his team talk is. What, what could he have possibly said for the capitulation to happen so early on in the game as well? It wasn't just that it happened. It, I mean, it's not like he held out for 20 minutes. There was a bright spark at the start of the second half, but I think that's partly because Liverpool were, like I said, in second gear, aren't they, Ben? And, and it also, it doesn't look like he's had any sort of effect whatsoever. So that's, for me... As I think a he's ne- made it worse. Yeah, the, and as a neutral, you, you see, how can his position as a sporting director be tenable but what next respect, year? what respect he has, has he got? He has no respect amongst the players. The fans clearly don't think much of him. The manager coming in is going to have his own ideas. I just don't really see how he can take that position. I, I think one thing about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well was, was that it was very much a case whereby he was... He was very open and he was very sort of, he, he defended his players, didn't he? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So if Paul yeah. Pogba had a shocker, he would go, yeah, you know what? You know, I, I, yeah, he, he didn't play great, but that's the, what, the treatment he's getting isn't fair. Ragnick puts out a half sort of, you know, even, not even a half statement mm. about it, saying how it was wrong that they, they booed him off and all that. So he's just not a leader and Manchester United were crying out for it. Tom, generally, it, was it the wrong decision to sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? It seemed so right, but was it, was it the wrong decision? I think, so he got sacked after the Watford result, which mm. was what, 5-1? 4-5-1, I think, yeah. You know, you, you, you can't be the manager of Man United and oversee that. You you can't. You cannot at any point say that that is an all right an all right result and not get more out of your players, not turn that into a 5-3, a 5-4 or something. I think Solskjaer had taken the club as far as he could. I think where Man United fell short was the way they brought in Ragnick. And this, this weird, he's on a three-year contract, but he's only going to manage the club for three months. And this substitute teacher vibe that they pushed through so hard. I think... Solshire had to go. I don't think he would have taken the club anywhere. But again, it was one of those weird ones, and I think I've spoken about this before, where there was no plan after firing him. They'd done no prep work. They weren't ready for anything bad to happen. So, you know what? I am am devoid of confidence in this club right now. Well, it's just a sham. Not not to not to rub salt in the wounds, uh, Tom. But I've just had a text from Sam, our, our managing director, who very openly is a Liverpool fan. Um, United was so bad, <laughs> no. even I felt sorry for them. <laughs> um, how are United still fighting for fourth? <laughs> Hannibal won Man United man of the match for his five minute cameo, and that they should make Phil Jones the captain. I, 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 I trust he's jested there, but I mean, is, is it made worse that by the fact that had say it was someone like Arsenal in Liverpool's position, and you went away to them and and had lost four nil, it wouldn't feel as bad. But because this is such a fierce rivalry between the two of you, and it was fought so fiercely for so long, even when you were on your pedestal and and Liverpool was struggling, does it make it even harder to accept? you know like I said losing so comprehensively to Liverpool twice in a season like that it's it's a it's genuinely a low point for Manchester United isn't it oh it's it's incredibly low I remember um I I used to hate Fernando Torres not because he was bad at football or he'd ever done anything wrong because I thought Vidic was the best center back on earth and Torres (laughs) used to just ruin him match after match Luis Suarez you hated playing Liverpool. You were so happy when you beat them. It was always a tough match, even in like Liverpool's lowest ebb, where they weren't even quali- like wouldn't qualify for the Champions League. They were still such a big game, and they always played with passion. They always had like a Steven Gerrard or someone on the pitch that epitomized who their club was. And 
Man United had nobody despite fielding a series of players from Manchester yesterday. It, I was going to say, Tom, is, is that what hurts the most? Is that, you know, you can accept the team maybe playing poor and going through a rough spell and not, you know, not even winning the trophy for a few years, but you, you get the impression that the players just don't care. And as a fan, that, that for me is, would be the hardest thing is, is the players that I'm paying to watch, you know, tuning in week in, week out, they don't care. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a hundred percent. I think we as fans far too often accuse team of players specifically of not trying, of not caring, and I think most of the time we're wrong. But when you go through a whole season of match in match out that happening, and then you see them play a game like Liverpool, and you hear the crowd, I mean, the crowd in that match alone should get you hyped for that. You don't need much. They hate you in that stadium. Mm. They they want you to leave with broken legs and stuff. If you're not <laughs> up for the fight, it shows so quickly, and it did. They just weren't. They weren't up for trying, and it was. It, it's it's so hard to have faith in pretty much anyone on the football pitch that we put out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's certainly a case at Manchester United now where I I don't think anyone knows where the problem is, do they? I think I think this is such a big problem. Is is it higher up? I mean, it seems Edward Wood seems is going to be out the fold soon enough. It, you still have an incredibly high net spend every year. It's not like the board aren't backing the manager. I know there's Gary Neville speaks quite often about how the Glazers are still making money out of a club that is ultimately failing. But where is where is the problem? I mean, that's the that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Because if you could work that out, United you know, theoretically would be back. But it's it's clearly not the manager because you've had you've had good managers like Jose Mourinho and Louis Van Gaal, managers who established in the game. Where is the problem? I mean, Ten Hag seems to be all but done. Is is that a fix, or does that is is actually sort of rip it all out and start again? I mean, I, I worry about having too many chefs and not enough cooks. It feels like Man United had no idea what was going on, and they're like, right, well, we need to fix this at a higher level. So they, they hired Jim Murtal or whatever his name is, and they've brought in Darren Fletcher, and now they've got Ralph Ragnick. So we've got, like, three or four senior, senior, senior managers now sat on top of this team. None of them have any experience working together whatsoever. It's not like we've brought in a management team. We haven't hired somebody who's then gone through his contact list and brought in the people he works best with. So we keep bringing in these managers that have no connection whatsoever to the senior management structure. The senior management structure is far more convoluted than any European club I've ever seen. And, and, and it's, it's broken at the top, which has led to this weird thing where the manager is almost middle management. He, he, he works with the players on a daily basis, but he's probably the most expendable person. But we keep investing just above him in random people. And you hope that this idea that they're bringing in Ten Hag and it's taking this long is a bit like what Liverpool did with Jurgen Klopp, where they spent almost like a year trying to figure out if he was the right man. And then when they got him, everybody at the club went, it doesn't matter what happens now, we build. We are building from the ground up. And I said this when they when they fired Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it was this year is kind of a sunk cost at this point, but... Where do they go from here? Will we see any actual strategy behind it? Or are they going to bring in a manager, spend £150 million on two really good players, and then we go into next season the way we've gone into every season, where it's like, well, we've got 11 world-class players, so surely they must be able to play football together. And it, 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 
it, it so rarely happens. Isn't that the challenge, Tom, for Manchester United fans, is that you, you've had to wait so long for success compared to the Alex Ferguson years? You know, it hasn't worked for so many different managers that clearly, for me, and I'm sure Will feels the same, that it's actually the players that are as just, just as much of a problem. They don't, they don't chop and change as much as the manager, which to me is baffling. Like, yeah. Paul Pogba's still at the football club. Yeah. He has, he's never worked under any manager no. that's been there since he was signed, I think, under, under Jose Mourinho. Yeah. He never got going under Solskjaer. He never got his death not got going under Radney. In fact, he's. I'd, I'd be inclined to pay someone to take him, not let him go on a free at the end of the season. That's genuinely how how poor he's been. I mean, it, it, the, the, the funny thing about Pogba as a whole, I, I guess, as well, it's worth mentioning, is never doubt Sir Alex Ferguson's judgment because yeah. he's he's right most like ninety five percent of the time. There's a reason he didn't want Paul Pogba at the club, and that Sung Park, who arguably probably isn't the technical player Pogba is excelled there for so many years because it's not about stringing a pass a 60 yard pass out to a winger once every six games it's about running and putting the effort in and that's what Manchester United are so absolutely criminally void of at the moment and don't you think as well that's that's what the fans are going to have to be patient with is that they're going to expect the manager to come in you know, hit the ground running that might not happen mm. and and you know Tom I'm sure you, you're going to feel you know concern about how long this is going to take for it to change because for me it's going to take another one or two seasons at least to to sort the squad out you know that's again another two years I think what you want to see and what hasn't happened and I think most Man United fans would agree with this is we've kept a lot of players for a long time Mm. we have not let Juan Mata start a game in like three years but he's still being paid by the club Phil Jones is still there Nemanja Matic was past his prime when we signed him, and it was like a good signing at the time, but it was a, a one-year stopgap, maybe a two-year stopgap. He's been there three or four years, and now he's making the choice to leave. And you're looking at this team, and I'm okay with it being tough. I'm okay with it being hard. I want to start seeing turnover of players, though. I want to see a manager who comes in and quickly identifies who he wants at the club, and anyone else can leave, because we seem to get a bigger and bigger squad every year, and we're not actually turning over enough do, do you to look change at, the culture. Do you look at Arsenal, for example, and think that's exactly what we need to do? I'm not saying go and get Mikel Arteta. I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's the answer. But in the fact that they've almost written off a few years to just go, right, let's go back to basics and rebuild. They've got rid of the Deadwood, um, other, other than Granit Xhaka, I think, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly in terms of getting rid of, of Aubameyang and, and people like that. And they've stripped it back to basics, given what are very good youth players a chance that I'm sure Manchester United have in abundance as well. It, does it just need does it just need sort of stripping back and and the other thing I was going to ask is it, Ten Hag like I said it seems seems to be all but appointed other than a statement from the club essentially is he the yeah. right man to do it I mean he certainly seems to have been quite vocal he doesn't seem like he's going to want to play it doesn't seem like he's going to want to have anything to do with Cristiano Ronaldo and I mean Ranić even said himself didn't he that he yeah. he wants to get every position other than the goalkeeper needs to be replaced which coming from a current manager two days before your biggest game of the <laughs> season probably isn't the best thing to say but does it need a bit stripping back and is Ten Hag the man to do that for you it's it certainly needs needs stripping back and it, it it needs a lot of actual soul searching to happen um I I think when you look at some of the great managers of the past and even you look at Fergie Fergie was never worried at kicking possibly the biggest clubhouse presence out like he just got rid of Yap Stam like it was smashing a fly on a wall like it wasn't even a big deal to him and that's what we failed to do and that's where you look at Arsenal and what they did with the Bamiang when they went you know what enough is enough we're just actually done with this you're not playing get out go mm. train on your own 
And if we get rid of you on a free, it'll be great. And if we can't, enjoy this because you've, you've made your own bed. United have never done that to any of their players. No. We've molly cuddled Not them. since Roy Keane, I think. Maybe. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know what? You almost want Roy Keane in that dressing room just once to be like, so this is what happens when you play badly. <laughs> Roy, come in and talk. <laughs> um, I don't, you just stick I, Sky's thoughts on after the game, couldn't you? In the, in the dressing room. As <laughs> <laughs> good as do that. I mean... Do, do you Boy, think that, I mean, like I said, Ten, Ten Hag, is he, is he the man for you or is it just another stopgap? I think I, as a United supporter, I will support him to the hilt as long as I see change and I see the right words coming out of his mouth. And I see a manager that is up for the fight and that knows that it's going to be hard and it might be lean for a couple of years. And we, I think, like you said, it's, it's two or three years. We're not a year away from contending, mm. but... I mean, I obviously said Pochettino about a month ago. Ten Hag's in it for the long haul, and he works with this senior management structure above him, and they can build a structure of play and go with it. It's great. I only worry that he's been at Ajax, and managing Man United is... It's like managing Real Madrid. It is one of the toughest jobs on earth. Mm. And I just now have to put faith... (laughs) In the people I have no faith in. In a bold man from Ajax. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. I mean, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? It's just one of those situations whereby it, it's it's fascinating, certainly from an outsider's perspective, to see what's going to happen and what is the probably the biggest club in the world. Um, I mean, it, it's just absolutely monumental, the change that's needed there. We'll move on just because it wasn't all about Manchester United last night. And sorry, Tom, <laughs> as, as horrific as they were, Liverpool really did take advantage of it rather spectacularly in a game that many tipped them to, to slip up in and if they were going to go for this title race. They're currently top of the Premier League, FA Cup finalists, strong favourites to reach the final of the Champions League and probably win it as well. Of course, Carabao Cup champions. Ben, I'll come to you. Could this genuinely happen? I believe it can. The Liverpool I saw on the weekend against Manchester City, that that, that first half is the best Liverpool performance, I think, under Jurgen Klopp. Now, Manchester City maybe weren't at the races and obviously they came back in the second half, but Liverpool playing the best football they've played under Klopp. It seems like they found a a second coming. You felt like their peak was a couple of years ago when they won the Champions League. Mm. But suddenly, like you said, they find themselves, they've won the Carabao Cup, they're top of the league. Now, okay, City have that game in hand, but there's still two points there. They're still in the Champions League. They've got quite a favourite draw. Let's let's be honest. I know. Yeah, I know. I know, you're gonna, I'm gonna, I know you're going to clip it up. Yeah, you're, you're going to come back to this from Villarreal win one 0 over two legs. It genuinely is on. I don't see any reason why Liverpool can't win the country. I, th- I think a lot of people looked at that game on Saturday, didn't they? Um, in the FA Cup, sort of tipping it as. As the, I mean, that would be the one that would, would ultimately decide how possible it was because yeah. I certainly didn't think they'd be 3-0 up at half-time and, and win the game the way they did. And another a tactical, very rarely happens, but a tactical disaster class from Pep Guardiola. Mm. You look at the, the comparison to the week before when they play Edison in goal, the exact same things happened for Sadio Mane's goal, but Edison obviously has the, the composure to pass it away. Stefan flaps at it and it's probably the worst goal you could possibly concede in an FA Cup semi-final. Obviously, without without getting into City as well, they, they play later tonight. T- taking the dread from your body just for one moment, Tom, is, is like, like how, how possible do you think this quadruple is? Because that, that like I said, that, like we're saying, that performance on Saturday was absolutely testament to it, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they were absolutely brilliant. They uh, That first, was it 20 minutes, they scored three goals or two of them at least, mm. and they were in complete control. And 
goalkeeper makes an error like that, you're always going to be flying. They have every chance of doing this, and um, I, I feel like I should be like stabbing myself in the leg for the knife at this point. Just get these words Throw it on the side, Tom. Throw it on the side. Put it on the side. No, but they've, they've got every chance. The one thing is, I think... To win the quadruple, it's a bit like when, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hark back to a nice moment from any night when they won the treble. You do end up needing some luck because it's so hard to I, win I think three well, that, cup finals that, and a league. That treble season as well, the the league was very much in United's hands as well, wasn't it? And there weren't yeah. that many external yeah. focuses. Whereas cities, City have only got two priorities at the moment, haven't they? And it's it's making sure they keep winning in the Premier League and that they can overcome. I mean, it's not. It's completely plausible that Liverpool could walk away with just a Carabao Cup this season at the same time, isn't it? I think that's what people forget. If if, if they don't beat Chelsea, which they didn't look com- completely comfortable against in the League Cup final, and if they fail to, you know, it's, it's very plausible that that it'll be a City-Liverpool final again. That could go either way. It's just it, the, a lot of focus on the quadruple. It's one game at a time, isn't it, Ben? As cliche as that is. Yeah, well, it, it changes week by week, doesn't it? Because a week ago, Manchester City were in the, the driving seat and we were talking about how they could win the treble. Mm. You, know, you know, games can, can swing and, and, you know, we saw that result on the weekend and suddenly it's all in, in Liverpool's hands. You know, a week ago we thought Manchester City were in it. So... I think Liverpool just got to keep taking one game at a time. That's a very big football cliche, yeah. I know, but it's, it's true. To when, ask, when you're, it? yeah, it's a game to ask. But when you're, when genuinely, when you're in four competitions, you have to look at it that way. You can't think, oh, we've got a chance here, lads. Mm. They just have to take it game by game. I, I think they're at a point now as well that those players, that squad, they're experienced enough to know. Mm. You know, they've won one Premier League. They want to win a second. They've won one Champions League. They want to win a second. So. I just think that there's too much experience there to let that get to them. Yeah, I mean, Tom, Tom with people saying that Liverpool, that, that City are in the driving seat for the Premier League title, which ultimately they are, do they take away factors like this that there will be periods where Liverpool will be top of the league because they'll play before City or... Like, they're two points clear at the minute. I know City have the game in hand, but the, again, the old adage is you always rather have points on the board. How tough a test of, of Pep Guardiola and Manchester City's mentality is tonight's game against Brighton? I mean, it's huge. Brighton are like one of the ultimate bogey teams, aren't they? They've done it to Arsenal for the last couple of years. Tottenham, they just yeah. do this to teams. They they play a style of football. They're confident on the ball. They're confident when pressed. They are hard to beat. Their problem is they don't score many goals. I, I wonder, it'll be really fun to have this conversation in like five weeks' time and look back on this because it's clearly been a pivotal week to see if Guardiola made the right decision rotating his squad We've only really ever seen him make true tactical errors in cup finals, like not playing a defensive center midfielder in a, in a, in a cup final is a, a mad thing to do when mm. you've played it all year, which is what he did last year in the Champions League. But he may have gotten this perfectly right. He may have given De Bruyne the rest De Bruyne needed. Kyle Walker has had a pretty good year outside of two errors. He now gets a break. They were able to rest some key players. And I think you look at... De Bruyne when he plays and I always just think it's the weirdest player I've ever seen play football because I can feel like he's done nothing and he ends with two assists and it's just <laughs> he's just magic when he needs to be and he seems to always just be able to just just push his side along just keep him going so they're not in the driving seat because you know how mental football is the minute you're not in first you're you know everyone's everyone's panicking but Pep Grodel has done this so many times there this it's going to be such a fun couple of weeks to end the season isn't it and I was going to say, don't you have to remember as well that Liverpool have a monumental goal difference in their favour at the mm. moment. I think they're, they're on 61, City on 52. 
So, How big could that be? You yeah. know, that could be huge. I mean, it's, it's not implausible that City win 9 0 tonight, though. <laughs> no, or they, they could win 9 of the next three games. That's not implausible either. But ultimately, yeah, City, they have to win. They can't, at, at this stage, if they were to finish 11 points, it's not going to be enough. So, you know, I remember we, we spoke about when Paul Lintz uh, came into Reading and how they had an inferior goal difference and they had to go for wins because ultimately draws may not have been enough exactly for the goal difference. Well, so yeah. that could work in City's favour. Who knows? The, the fact that they know they can't just sit back and get, take a point, they have to go and get the three points. Who knows? With the continued theme on the show the last couple of weeks, you're clipping things up. Let's, let's go for <laughs> it. Premier League title, which way is it going, Tom? I mean, I said City, I think, when I was on two or three weeks ago. So I've got to keep, I've got, you're, got you're to keep going. You're sticking with it. You're sticking with it. What do you reckon, Ben? I'm going with Liverpool now. I, so I, quadruple I, then, if they do? That's a different question. <laughs> <laughs> you're not clipping me twice. Splinters <laughs> in your backside, mate. Splinters <laughs> in your backside. Um, no, I, no, I certainly understand what you're saying. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it, where I think we, we all, we're, we're all guilty of it getting a little bit carried away when these things are a possibility. Everyone said it about a domestic treble for Manchester City last season, didn't they? Yeah. And, and they obviously fell short of that one. I mean, it'll certainly be interesting to see how it all unfolds over the next few weeks, regardless of what happens. It's so good to see English football thriving as it is, I think. Um, like I said, history will unfold between two of the greatest teams to do it in the Premier League the next few weeks. At the other end of the table, though, we saw some shocking news on Friday as the long-standing Burnley boss, Sean Dyche, was sacked with just eight games of the season remaining and the team just sitting three points from safety. <laughs> Obviously, you, you caught up with a Burnley fan we'll, we'll chat to in just a moment, Tom. But Ben, how much of a shock was that for you? I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. And, and I'll tell you what, but Sean Dyche is, is, like you said, the long, longest serving manager in English football. I think I always look at Gareth Ainsworth and think he's up there. But no, Sean Dyche had been there the longest. He, he's done such a great job at Burnley. Two promotions to the Premier League. He's kept them up in the Premier League when they've had a budget way lower than so many teams in that bottom half. And, and what the, the, I think the saddest part for me is he's not really got a proper send-off, has he? The fans haven't got to say goodbye. He hasn't got to say goodbye. There wasn't even a video package on Burnley's Twitter account. It was poor form, wasn't it? it? You know, it just seems like something must have happened behind the scenes because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You're right, mate. Well, like I said, Tom caught up with uh, with Burnley fan Lucy Olderman earlier this week, following on from their game at the London Stadium at the weekend, and started out by asking her how she felt about Dyche's sacking. I think... We've been there a while now. We've always been outperforming where we as fans would expect us to be. And with an ageing squad and lack of investment, I think it was always a matter of time before we ended up really struggling. Well, you are struggling and you are in the relegation zone. And the club has announced the departure of manager Sean Dyche. They did this on Friday. What was your reaction when you first heard the news? Just shot like completely out of nowhere I think everyone that I've spoke to just had no idea it was coming yeah I was shocked and really gutted to be honest I think it's just such poor timing with seven games to go now but eight games to go at the time like it's just crazy timing there's been a lot written about this a lot said about this Burnley very much front page news in sport especially in football right now and we've seen plenty of pundits having their say but what have the fans been saying? Yeah, it makes a change, doesn't it? It's not normally Burnley that's getting talked about. But yeah, the fans, again, just complete shock, really. Like, no one saw it come in. Don't think the pundits saw it come in. Everyone's pretty gutted, even though I do think come the end of the season, it wouldn't have been quite as much of a shock, whatever had happened. 
because I do think we're probably right for a change, but just not at this stage in the season. So he's gone now, and the trip to West Ham this weekend yielded a point. What did you make of the performance in the circumstances? I mean, it was certainly better than the Norwich performance. I guess pressure off, like that makes a massive difference. Norwich was such a high-pressure game, particularly after the Everton performance. And then, obviously, to lose Deitch as well. So the players were, I guess, more relaxed, maybe, and just playing with a bit more freedom. But, yeah, definitely a good point, and it potentially could have been more. The result puts you within three points of safety. Given what has happened, who would you like to come in and take charge of the final few games of the season? What a question. I mean, literally, no one has a clue, do they? You're looking at, like, the odds and the bookies. They're changing every day. I don't think even the owners have a plan. So who would I like to see? I don't know. I feel like they're going to just bring someone in for these last games. I honestly don't think it's going to make much difference. <laughs> I think we'll probably end up down anyway and then build on the team over summer, get a long-standing manager in. My last question is kind of a nice one, and it's just reminiscing. Sean Dyche was the longest-serving Premier League manager when he was sacked. What legacy does he leave at Burnley? Oh, massive. Like, in my lifetime, for sure, he's going to be, obviously, the manager that we remember the most. Um, the training like facilities have come on massively, the whole town, um, the amount of community projects that have been going on, the money that has brought to Burnley, being in the Premier League for such time, is amazing. And, and it'll, yeah, even the pub, <laughs> regular little trip to before matches, so the Royal Dyche that, um, yeah, just shows what an impact he's had on the town, I'd say. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about Burnley, and uh, let's hope they get a win on Thursday night. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> there you go. That's Burnley fan Lucy Oldman chatting to us there. A little bit about Sean Dyche, and, and t- to be completely honest, I'm, I'm pulling no punches here. They're completely disgraceful decision in my opinion disgusting to, to part with him I mean like you said well uh, look I, uh, this could be another one that gets clipped up if it comes out he's done something truly terrible or, or something along those lines obviously well, we know nothing at this stage but the job he's done there just can be cannot be understated at all Burnley were and with with all the respect in the world probably are a championship club really I mean that they're, they're, they're by no stretch of the imagination a big club but he managed to establish them as as a regular fixture in the top flight a job that so many big name managers have failed to do famously but he he did it with with ease on a shoestring budget pull it get getting players that ultimately not many people had heard of but cont- continuously did the job but yet was just completely betrayed when push came to shove by by the powers that be at his club and i think for me that that's the thing that that doesn't sit well if 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 it is like it looks like on the face of it that he's just been sacked without a goodbye, without any tribute being able to be paid to the manager that ultimately has brought Burnley the most success that they're ever going to get. Because whether or not they stay in the Premier League now, there's no replacing Sean Dyche to, to get them. The football's not been brilliant, and, and people will be first to admit that, but being being useful with your resources is, is 90% of the battle in football. Um, and I, I don't know how you feel, Ben, but for me, Sean Dyche has been completely let down by a club that he gave absolutely everything to. I'd have to compare it. And if I look at Gareth Ainsworth, okay, mm. and, and Gareth Ainsworth was sacked, you know, eight months into a season, 
No, say say Wickham get promoted next year, mm-hmm. they get relegated, and the last five. It's six, like you sacking him last season, isn't it? Yeah, and it, um, and I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to the manager that has basically created all this success mm-hmm. throughout the last ten years. I'd feel completely robbed as a fan, and I can only imagine how Burnley fans feel. You look at some of their players: Ben Mee, James Tarkovsky, Sam Vokes, Jay Rodriguez. These guys owe their careers to Sean Dyche. Mm-hmm. He he made that team into what it was. And Ashley Westwood, Ashley Westwood. Field, yeah. And okay, they didn't play the greatest football, but you don't need to play the greatest football. And ultimately, when you've got the resources they did, that's the only thing they could do. And I, I just look at it and think something has to have happened behind the scenes. There, there is no justification for sacking a manager like that that's done everything for your club and not even given him the chance to say goodbye. We, we've spoken about managers, Tom, didn't we, with Manchester United. I mean, it is... No, I'm, not, I'm not saying Dice is the replacement either, by the way. <laughs> Don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But I mean, yes. it, are, are, you, are you with us in that it, it's just a completely tasteless decision, especially in the manner it was done? It's, it's, a, it's a truly heinous, heinous decision. I mean, the man took Burnley to Europe. Europe played, I mean, Burnley played <laughs> that as European a sentence is just unbelievable, isn't it? Like, they've only had two red cards in the last something two or three years, right? Everyone thinks of Burnley like they're Stoke, but they've never been anything close to Stoke. When they can, they've played good football. This year has been bad. But the guy has given his life and soul to the club, and you're you hear it in Lucy's voice. You can hear it in both of you boys when you're just talking about it. Like, no one is happy about what's happened here. And there's so little respect being paid to someone that has dragged a club kicking and screaming into the most competitive, best football league in the world, has then dragged them up into Europe for a whole season and has kept them going and isn't being given the chance with seven or eight games left at the time to just try and make it right on his way out the door. And you just feel so bad for the fans. You feel bad for Sean Dyche. I mean, I love the fact that he was pictured out in Nottingham, going out <laughs> with the lad. Having like, well, he, he only signed a uh, three-year deal. I think it was last September or something, didn't he? So it's so you Dyche. can only imagine what the pain is as well. I mean, it'll be stick your feet up, Sean. You really do deserve it for the job you've done, mate. <laughs> do, do you think, Ben? It's, it's ultimately a case of of being careful what you wish for. Though we see this time and time again with clubs that get to a position where they're they're rubbing sh- rubbing shoulders with the elite of of English football, and suddenly get this premonition that they're a, a gargantuan club. And like I said, no disrespect to Burnley, but they're just not. They're just not. Do, is it a case of that? You know, not not that any Burnley fans wish for it, but with the board certainly, they do need to be careful what they wish for. And, and this could ultimately, if if they do get relegated, start a quite a dramatic slide for Burnley. Yeah, and, and this is the cold hard fact: if Burnley stay up this season, they will be the favourites to go down next season. Mm. Okay, and, and I would back them to get relegated next season. You know, you look at where they are on the table; there were, there were three or four points off Everton. They just they just beaten Everton. You know, they, they've clawed their way back into the relegation fight where a few games ago it looked like they wouldn't have enough. Beghorst got that goal, which we yeah. said he needed to get the goal. <laughs> but it, it just seems such a short-sighted decision to the point where, like you said, if Burnley were to get relegated, some of those players are going to go out the door. Mm. The manager's now gone. But the players were it's, allegedly shocked by it, weren't yeah, they? they? Of course they would be. They couldn't Of course they would be. And you have to question, you know, what do they want to do now? Did they, well, they, 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 Sean Dyche but, but, but this is the thing, Tom, isn't it? They signed for Sean Dyche. Yeah. They bought into Sean Dyche's project, which has just been completely decimated by a 200-word statement on Burnley's website. It's just mental. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot swirling behind 
closed doors about this, isn't there? I mean, something has happened at that club because the way they get rid of him, I've just been reading today that no one knows who's going to take over the job. I think Jackson is his name, is leading that cohort of four people, including Ben Mee, who are officially now in charge of the club, which, by the way, four people. They just, like, the whole management structure left. Normally, an assistant, the assistant stays in post. He's like, oh, my God, I get to be a football manager for three games. And, you know, (laughs) sits through it, and then they appoint somebody, and the assistant politely leaves stage left. But I just, it's so perplexing. It's just what has happened. What did Sean say? Was there a meeting? Did he start, you know, just throwing I I had a theory. Generally, was it a typo in an email? Do you know what I mean? Did, did they mean to say backed and they said sacked or something like that? I mean, on it, and now, now it's just too embarrassing to go back on. That's genuinely more of a plausible explanation to me than just wanting to get rid of Sean Dyche. Yeah. I mean, even if the, I was, I was very much in the camp that even if they went down, he would have been the man. I mean, they did it before, didn't they? They went down yeah, with him as up. manager and came back immediately. One a, a feat that. Middlesbrough and, and teams like that have thrown you know millions and millions tens of millions of pounds at and failed to do and Sean Dyche does it on his shoestring but it's still not enough for him to keep his job it is it's just absolutely like like you say Tom perplexing I mean do, do, do you think this will stop them being in a position whereby do you, how, how will this alter ultimately their 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 survival in the Premier League do you think now without him it, it becomes a task too tall I mean, it's, it's a, it's a toss up. This might shock the players enough that they're just going to really push to the end of the season. I think the real thing here is that, you know, Burnley were bought out by an American consortium. Was it a year or two mm-hmm. ago? They've been leveraged. They have, I think they had twice the debt put on them that they've made in profit in their time in the Premier League. So they've made 40 million in profit and then that's like 70 or 80 million pounds in debt. And it's like you both were saying, it's, it's a, it's an incredible reaction. It's a, thinking they're way too high. You've heard it from the Burnley fans. You've heard it from a Burnley fan even saying he probably could have left in the summer. He might have left in the summer. It might have been time for a change at the club, but he should have been given that time. And it's going to be really hard. Well. That's, that's yeah. the thing. Thank you. A thank you and a goodbye. Just because you can imagine how grateful Burnley fans. I mean, like, like Lucy said, the Royal Dyche still, they, they've said that they're yeah. not changing their name as well. Incredible which name. I love it. An incredible name for a pub. Um, rapidly running out of time on our hot topic section. So it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Tom. Really appreciate it. That's Tom Picker in there from Very Biased Opinions, uh, giving us an insight into what has been just a, a crazy, crazy week in football. One normal week of football. <laughs> it's all we ask for. You're never going to get it. You're never going to get it. Roll on the, wi- roll on the summer, mate. Honestly, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. No, I mean, it really has just been a fascinating week for football, hasn't it? It is time to swap the wider world of football for the Thames Valley, though. We'll be back very shortly. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. That's right, you're listening to Extra Time on River Radio. We're fast approaching the back end of the show this evening, but of course we could not finish without touching on all our local football here in the Thames Valley. A busy week for most constituent clubs, especially those in the Football League, as Reading managed to confirm survival after a thrilling for all draw with Swansea that saw both Derby and Barnsley get relegated. Uh, I mean, it truly is it's, it's a big thing to realise just how big an accomplishment this is for Reading, isn't it, Ben? When not even probably three or four weeks ago, we were looking at the Barnsley game that they went to, saying if they lost that, they were as good as down. 
to to only be this far down the line and have an already confirmed safety, it's it's a really really good accomplishment by them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you look where they were. Um, I remember those two games under Paunovic where they lost in the FA Cup and they lost terribly to Fulham, was it? Like 7-2 or 8-2. Mm. Paul Lintz came in and you felt, this is a strange, strange appointment. Mm. Paul, Paul hasn't been in management for a while, but his last job was Blackpool and he didn't really do a lot there. Mm. And you looked at the league table and you, and you saw Barnsley rising up. You saw Derby still fighting, which I have to say, all, all credit goes to Wayne yeah, Rooney's side. They, really, they gave so much. A really nice touch as well at the end. Um, uh, yeah, when he, uh, when he spoke to the fans. Really nice touch that stuff like that doesn't doesn't happen very much in football anymore does it so that was great um but yeah he's he's halted that free fall hasn't he yeah. Paul Lintz yeah they've put together some really big performances only one defeat in their last five has ultimately dragged them kicking and screaming yeah. away because Barnsley were, were right on their, their their hills but Barnsley have lost a few games mm. and Reading being that little bit more resilient has ultimately seen them over the line I, th- I think as well the, the players seem to have bought into a slightly different ethos don't they I remember speaking to speaking to guys at the Reading Chronicle who said Paul Ince was being a lot more disciplined with, yeah. with how they were and that certainly seems to have, have bared fruit the players all over the pitch now seem to be chipping in even with things like goals for example Tom McIntyre scoring twice over the bank holiday weekend yeah. um, I'm, I'm not completely sure how many goals he'd scored before that can't <laughs> imagine it was many <laughs> judging by his celebrations he did not know where to put himself <laughs> bless him um, is he a man worthy of the job though Paulins, it's hard to it's hard to say no, isn't it? But I don't think I think when when he was appointed, it was very much every Reading fan was very much of the opinion he was the man till the end of the season. He had to be, but is he the man to take them further? It's always a tricky situation, isn't it? Because when someone does a good job and keep ultimately is partly the reason why you've stayed in the league. Why shouldn't they get the chance the next season? Mm. You know, I, I always have to relate to the club you support. If, if you had a manager that came in, mm-hmm. kept you up, you'd want them there. You'd want them to see them have the chance. Uh, ultimately, I think he will get the chance. I, I just. I guess a, a full season is slightly different. You've got pre-season and the, the tactics you're using to motivate your players have to change. You can't they just... Will, they will lose players this summer They will, well. yeah. And, and it's a case of who can they replace those players with. I mean, I can't see Lucas Shaw staying in. Um, I mean, other than... I mean, John Swift is a, he's a terrific, terrific player. Can you see yeah. him? Really, he does no, my best Harry Redknapp. Yeah, I was going to say, there, best Harry Redknapp. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, keeping all of those players is one thing, but is there the draw at the minute to go and play for Reading and Paul Ince? I know that they'll be in the yeah. Championship. It's a lot more of a draw than if they were in League One, but with, with the mess the club's been over the last few months, is, is there a genuine attraction to go and play there? Well, that's the thing, that there's still a lot of financial uncertainty around mm. the club. You know, I just think it's going to be a case of what Paul Ince and the team can find. Can they find some hidden gems like uh, my team do, you know, like Gareth Ainsworth does year in, year out. Some hidden gems, maybe some players coming towards the end of the career that still got enough left in the tank for one or two good seasons. It's going to be a case of scrapping around and seeing what there is. I don't think it's going to be easy in the market. But ultimately, I think, like you said, the biggest challenge for Redden is trying to keep holders of as many players as possible. Now, they're going to lose a couple, but if they can keep hold of three or four instead of losing three or four sorting out that That's, goalkeeper situation oh, as well that yeah. seems to have just <laughs> swelled on all season that, that we, we've got stuck into here I mean it's, it's, it's certainly going to make for a really interesting situation isn't it do you do you think Paul Ince is the man for the job ultimately though Ben is is he going to get that job and is 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 will he bring stability to the club because that's ultimately what they've got to look for isn't it yeah I mean the stability question is always something that you, you can't really look too much into the future mm. you can only guess like we said with Liverpool, Manchester City, football changes quickly. Mm. I think he will get a chance. I think he should get a chance. I just think 
if it maybe it's, if it starts badly, he could be out the door fairly quick. It's a waste of a preseason, there, isn't it? It and is transfer, but thing. we've seen it before, haven't we? We're, we're managed to have a great end of the season. It doesn't quite work out at the beginning of the one, next yeah. season, and they're out the door fairly quickly. Yeah. I, I just. For him, it's going to be imperative to start next season on a roll. Absolutely. Well, we certainly wish Reading the best of luck going in for the rest of their fixtures that will ultimately uh, not not bear much fruit uh, in terms of, of results. But, you know, very good for them to be safe after what was a very tense middle of the season for them. Moving over to Bucks, Wickham Wanderers also in action twice over the bank holiday weekend. Dispatching of playoff rivals Plymouth Argyle, which as a Talk United fan brought me much joy. So thank <laughs> you for that, Ben. Uh, but followed up with a draw against Wimbledon on Monday leaving the playoff race playoff race I should say wide open I mean obviously there's only you're, you're the only man for this Ben you're, you're our, our chief Wickham guy <laughs> is it is it marked if I'd said to you before the weekend four points I'm sure you'd have taken it but is it a good weekend with how it played out yeah, if it was the other way around, I'd agree. If it was a point against, against Plymouth, Plymouth, yeah, exactly. It's just this has been the problem, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it has. Wickham get themselves into a great position in the league, and and they never capitalise on other teams dropping points mm. or them being in a good position. They think right, just one more win, and you're three. You've got a three point buffer. You know, Wickham went to Wimbledon nine games undefeated against a Wimbledon side that hadn't won since the last weekend of October. Wow. They're, they're a really poor side and, and they didn't show anything to me on Monday. Um, they had their one chance in the first half where, I don't know if you've seen the goal, but it was, it was a, a cross-come shot and it hit the player in the head and went in. And, and aside from that, they didn't really... Classic EFL football. Play, welcome to League One football. <laughs> but, but aside That's how Wickham got promoted then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it, aside from that, they didn't do anything and Wickham just... Was that frustrating? Then, it was, was frustrating, yeah. We, Wickham took a big crowd I think there was 1,200 Wickham fans wow. there you know they, they packed out the away end you know, Easter Monday I just think ultimately we can sit here and be annoyed and frustrated but the players have given everything in the last 10 games Wickham in the last 10 games are the most informed side in League One wow. they've got 22 after points what, after what we weren't sure what after was that blip or, yeah it was yeah. yeah, that's that's ultimately what's cost you this season, though, isn't it? Those, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, it, it's another frustrating part of the weekend, actually, that you'd, you'd looked at it and thought, by by Monday night, we'll know whether or not probably we're <laughs> going to get in the playoffs. You're still but actually, there. you're probably further away from knowing if anything, aren't you? Yeah, th- these last two games are going to be absolute hell for, for any Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland or Wickham fan. Mm. It's going to be terrible for them. You know, Wickham have got uh, Sheffield Wednesday this Saturday. Rotherham should be okay, but they've hit a terrible vein of form. Yeah, they? and it seems like neither Rotherham or MK want that second no. second uh, automatic spot. I just, I just think the tricky thing is, is that Wickham can win Saturday. They could win 4-0 and they're still not going to be confirmed in those no, playoffs. you've got to go to Burton on the last it's day. It's going to come down you? to the last day, isn't it, Will? It's going to come who down to the last day. Who just obviously played Rotherham last night. And yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? That, that last day of the season as well, it's always one of those that obviously can either be completely, you know, euphoric or heartbreaking. And there really is never an in-between, especially in a game like that. You'd always rather be going to Sheffield Wednesday on the last day and go, right, winner takes all, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you often find when you play those teams in the middle of the table that when they haven't had a, an they important... They contracts, aren't they? Yeah, and they haven't had an important game for a few weeks. They, they see that as a challenge, right? Okay, let, let's stop Wickham's promotion mm. party. You know, w- w- I remember Wickham went to Chesterfield a few years ago when they got promoted from League Two and Chesterfield were relegated. They got mm. relegated the week before. They were down. First time they'd ever got down to the National League and you felt Wickham just got to turn up and win they'll be promoted and it was an incredibly hard game mm. I think they, we just scraped a 2-1 win mm. so 
that Burton game, I, I can already tell you now, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm really not looking forward to it. I mean, before Burton, obviously, on Saturday at Sheffield Wednesday, I mean, just... <laughs> How big is that? I mean, it's just, it's it's monumental, isn't it? I, I, I managed to convince a mate of mine to come to the game on Saturday. And I said, Saturday, 3pm, Wickham versus Sheffield Wednesday, the biggest game in Wickham Wanderers football history. I must have missed that text. <laughs> <laughs> you were the next on the list. Yeah, okay, mate, yeah. <laughs> But it is, but, isn't yeah, it? I mean, and, and the, the worrying thing, I guess, is that Sheffield Wednesday have just been in spectacular form, haven't they? That that game against MK Dons, a slightly, that's another slightly false scoreline, isn't it? After Barry Bannon decided to, to channel his, his inner Beckham for, for what was an incredible strike and, and some really well-worked goals in there as well. I mean... It's, it's it's like we said. It's it's such a huge game for you and your and your future. But is is it as simple as lose that and it's over? Do you think? Or but I, I suppose Sunderland. It's in. It's it's if Sunderland don't win their game in hand and fail to win the next two, you'll be in it regardless, won't you? Yeah, but can you see Sunderland losing all three games? I'm no, but as long as you so better sure. their results, I guess, isn't I, it? That's the that's the thing. For, for me, I think they have to have the mentality. It's win or bust. And I think if Wickham do lose, I'm. I'm yeah. You rely on another team. Do you, do you think if you do you think you go there and if they lose, having given it all, you'll still be able to walk away proud of them, sort of thing? Yeah, because ultimately it doesn't come down to one game so over the course of the season. Mm. And, and Sheffield Wednesday are in incredible form themselves. I think they've got thirteen points in five games, mm. so they're, they're on fire. You, you, yeah. you can't expect the season to come down to one game. Ultimately, if Wickham don't get in the playoffs, it's because they haven't beaten Morecambe, they haven't beaten Wimbledon, they've they've lost games yeah, that, at home. That Cheltenham game that the, was five. The all, Cheltenham yeah. game that was five. All that silly period in in January and February where they weren't seven games allowed to win. Ultimately, I just. That's my, that's my watch. That's, that's your watch. Yeah. He's, he's not confident for the Sheffield. No, he's win. definitely not. He, he didn't get it. But I, I just think ultimately, I back Wickham to get the win. It's just the horrible feeling as a fan is that even if Wickham win these two games, it's it still might not be enough. And and that's yeah. that's the hard thing, isn't it? I suppose this is the it's comfortably, isn't it? We were just saying how good it is to watch as a neutral in the Premier League, but Liverpool, Manchester City fans will be feeling the same in a in a very different yeah. way, won't they? In that there is nothing you can do to control this now. It's very much a waiting game, which is the hardest yeah. part. It all boils down to this, doesn't it? And it's it's uh, do you see it as a as a bit of a? It's going to be hard to to get get up and go again if you don't make it, isn't it? I think that that's the big thing for Wickham. Yeah, especially with the players, some of the players at the age of their career and, and sort of the level they're at, this could be their last great season. You look at the likes of McCleary and Stockdale, how, how long can they go on for mm. before their careers start to slide? So mm. it's going to be incredibly hard. I've said to you all season long, if Wickham gets in the playoffs, they, they will win. And I think if, if they didn't, that'd be the hardest thing for me is I just mm. feel like Wickham are a perfect playoff side. Mm. Nobody wants to play Wickham in the playoffs. So it's the one team that everyone's looking at thinking, Please don't. And where Adams Park gets rocking, it's it's a place to be. Isn't it? Yeah, it can take a time. To, it can take a while to get going, but when it does get going, yeah, the, the like fans the can game for example. Yeah, the, yeah, the fans can drag the ball in the net when when they're attacking the terrace. There's not many terraces. Cop, they call it, is it? Yeah. No, that's what the cop does, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just think with the experience the squad has, they won the League One Player Final a couple of years ago. The fans didn't get to see it. How how great would it be for Wickham fans to go back to Wembley one more time? I, I just think. 
so much is riding on this game Saturday that it, you can't put into words how, how important it is. It's, it's not just this season. It, like you said, it's the potential future of the club. Just quickly before we do wrap up, how do you see it played out? Is it going to be a cagey affair? Is it going to be one where Wickham are going to need to come out and play football? Because like you said, you've, you've transformed into this team that's, that seems to be really playing expansive football. And, and that's obviously testament to Gareth Ainsworth. That Cambridge game, I think, is one that rings true as a game you were absolutely spectacular. Is it a game where you can afford to go out and play like that against a team that ultimately do the same very well? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what tactics Sheffield Wednesday employ. They've got that game in hand, so they're in a slightly different position. They've also got two points in us. So for, for me, it's do Sheffield Wednesday try and come and win the game we know that Wickham have to win the game would they be happy with the point ultimately but yeah will Sheffield Wednesday be defensive because we saw in the Plymouth game that when you're up against a side that attack you as well there is space for Wickham mm. I think if Sheffield Wednesday come to frustrate and get a point it could be very tricky and we could get caught on the break and, and maybe find ourselves out of the playoffs by, by Saturday afternoon but for me it's a case yeah of whether the, what the mentality of, of Sheffield Wednesday is going to be? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be. I think you'll beat Wednesday, and I think you'll lose to Burton. I genuinely—it's <laughs> the most <laughs> wicked, wondrous thing in the world. We'll clip that. We'll yeah, clip that. Clip that and it, the opposite will happen, of course, because <laughs> I said Bayern would coast through as well. Um, I just—I just wanted to finish the show on a slightly different note, though, Ben. Um, just obviously extending our thoughts here at River Radio um, and extra time to Cristiano Ronaldo and his family after what was completely devastating news about the loss of his uh, of his son at birth. Um, obviously thoughts with his family and all that sort of thing and what is a truly tragic event it's more than football this is um, and a great reception last night by the Liverpool fans and Man United fans alike so thoughts with th- thoughts with Cristiano Ronaldo's family of course and uh, a really nice sentiment last night yeah and it was such a poignant game for it to happen wasn't it uh, yeah. the, the applause with Liverpool and the two fans coming together and, and when you're watching that as a fan on TV it almost sometimes can bring a tear to yeah. your eye when you, when yeah. you see them coming together like that and you, you knew why two fans that, that do really have something against each other yeah exactly well, exactly um, no I thought it was a great moment but that's We've seen it more and more now in football where we do have these moments where it can bring fans together more so than in the past where yeah. fans were maybe less willing. So, absolutely. Great right. moment. Well, no, really, really nice touch. And obviously, like I